Coming up, we've got a lot to talk about from the Dirt Racing Weekend, including Kyle Larson's penalty at Bristol, some thoughts about the just general racing at Bristol, and my responses to a few of your questions. Let's roll. Today is Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. Welcome into Dirt Tracker Daily. I'm Justin Fiedler. My apologies for there not being a show yesterday, but the Sunday rain at Dover kind of killed any Monday plans I had. But we're back on this Tuesday, and even though we're a few days removed, I have some stuff from the weekend I wanted to talk about. So let's start with the Word of Outlaws weekend at Bristol. On the late model side, as expected, the fields were pretty light. We had 22 cars on Friday and 21 on Saturday. And that 21 on Saturday included Scott Bloomquist, who was loaded up before the feature because of an engine issue uh, that they didn't want to make more uh, severe. Even with the Lucas weekend canceled, they didn't pick up any more cars, which was probably a long shot anyway, but I thought maybe one or two would make the tow. In the Friday night feature, Jonathan Davenport got by Ricky Weiss late to uh, take the $25,000 win and continue his nice week of big money uh, victories. But after the race, the only thing anyone was talking about was the Kyle Larson situation. So let's run it back. Larson was originally scheduled to start the night's late model feature from outside the front row, but he was kicked to the rear when he missed the call to line up for the main event. He was apparently having transmission issues and had to be pushed around the pit area. And the six car was pitted on the sprint car side of the pit area, which apparently got some blame as well. But according to the Dirt Vision broadcast, the team was warned multiple times before they were ultimately penalized. Larson was in the second sprint car heat race, so from the time that race ended to the time the late model feature was lining up was probably something like 35 minutes. He would have obviously done a debrief with Paul Silva and those guys after the sprint car uh, heat race before stepping next door and getting things ready to go with Kevin Rumley for the late model feature. So between that and the issues with the car, Larson ended up late to staging. Once green, though, he was on a mission and was 10th after the first two laps. From there, he was top five before 10 to go. He was using the top to absolute perfection and just flying by guys. He started to run down the leaders late and got by for second with three laps to go. And then on the final lap while trying to run down Davenport, he went full send mode into turn one and the car just didn't stick. He caught the wall pretty heavy and limped it home to an eighth place result. Afterwards, Dervision's Chase Rodman was there pretty quickly for the interview and Young Money did not mince words about the penalty he got. He said, quote, I'm the only guy doing double duty, so there's a lot of shit I have to get done. It's no wonder teams like Rocket and Mark are leaving this tour, unquote. Pretty harsh words there, but I understand his frustration in the moment. He was hot, but then putting him to the rear isn't why the Rocket team swapped to Lucas. Series director Casey Schumann is tough, but I haven't heard of him not being fair. And at the end of the day, Schumann came from the open wheel side. So if there was going to be any bias, you'd think it would be in Larson's favor. But regardless of him running double duty or not, the rules have to be applied the same for everyone. I also thought the comments about Larson wearing a flow racing suit were pretty funny. Like he was somehow giving the middle finger to Dervision and World Racing Group. But Larson is actually sponsored by Flow, so him wearing that suit would make sense. And how is that different from a certain Valvoline sponsored late model switching to a series owned by a rival oil company? Anyways. On Saturday afternoon back at Dover, Bob Pockrass posted a video of Larson's thoughts, and he had softened quite a bit from his frustration the night before. He told Pockrass there was some miscommunication and that it definitely wouldn't happen again. He also said that he thought they shouldn't bend the rules for him. And then after Saturday's program, he said he loved racing with the World of Outlaws. I think that was from the Always Race Day account. 
So cooler heads definitely prevailed, and no, I don't think this is evidence of some sort of bigger systemic issue when it comes to teams racing with the World of Outlaws. I saw a bunch of comments in that direction, and I don't believe that at all. You won't see a slew of teams leaving because of this. Rocket didn't leave because of this. This is a completely separate situation. If Larson was indeed late, which I haven't seen disputed anywhere, then the penalty was deserved. It's easy to say that they should have just let him slide, but you can't apply the rules differently because it's Kyle Larson. These series officials are in the unenviable position of having to make those calls, and sometimes your favorite driver is just going to be on the crap end of it. That's just how it is. On Saturday night with the late model series, except for a brief few laps before halfway where Chris Madden led, it was all Ricky Weiss out front. He's been fast, it seems, a lot at Bristol, and this was a big score for him and that sniper chassis that they've been working on. It was the first time Weiss had been in victory lane with the Outlaw since May of 2020. With the weekend complete and Brandon Shepard now out of the battle, the points, uh, points championship chase right now is between Dennis Erb Jr. and Max Blair. And Erb didn't have a great weekend with two finishes outside the top 10. Blair, though, wasn't able to capitalize. He had finishes of 17th and 7th. So the gap between the two is 38 points with the series headed to Mississippi Thunder for three nights this week. Tanner English, Tyler Bruning, and Kyle Hammer complete the Outlaw Top 5. With the World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series, we had two drivers grab their first wins of the season. Friday night, it was a dominant showing from Logan Schuhart. Aaron Reitzel actually led the opening lap, but from there, it was all the 1S. Things haven't gone to plan for that team this season, but the tide appears to be turning in recent weeks, and this was a nice score. The win was Schuhart's 31st career outlaw victory, which moves him out of a tie with his grandfather, Bobby Allen, for sole possession of 20th all-time on the win list. After an up-and-down start to the season, Schuhart now has five straight top five finishes and leads all drivers with the series and average finish over that span. Also, a big shout-out to Craig Kinzer and Mikey Kemper for the Friday night podium result. It was his best finish of the season, and it was his first podium since Ransomville last summer. The Saturday feature was won by Spencer based and also his first one of the year driving the CJB5 machine. He led from start to finish but had to fend off a late challenge from Kyle Larson in a two-lap dash to the finish. I mentioned Basin a few weeks ago as a driver to watch going forward as his momentum was building and the win on Saturday was his 10th top 10 finish in his past 11 outlaw starts. It was Basin's third career outlaw win and I would not be surprised to see this lead to more victories this season. He and Barry Jackson really seem to be making progress as a duo, and when they are good, that CJB5 can be really good. We've seen that in the past with drivers like David Gravel. The racing at Bristol, especially for the sprint cars, has taken a bit of a beating because there just doesn't seem to be much action. The Friday hard charger was only plus three, and the Saturday hard charger was plus five, just to give you an example of the low passing numbers. For reference, the average hard charger with the Outlaws is something over 10 positions. But I think that final two-lap shootout between Baston and Larson shows why the drivers aren't more comfortable there making big moves. Larson was alongside Baston twice, and I think that second slider actually had the 57 clear of the five, but Larson pinched off the move. He clearly wasn't sure if he had the room to move up, and with the speeds at Bristol, the consequences of being wrong there are just too big. If that is almost any other track on the outlaw schedule, Larson takes the space and goes on to win. But instead, he doesn't finish the slider, Baston holds tough on the high side, and the five leads into turn one on the white flag lap. Baston made a little move at Larson into the corner there, then blocked the slider line low, and that was all she wrote. Baston wins. There were very few cautions all weekend, and it's because you can't risk your car or someone else's at those speeds. That's a big reason you don't see more action at, uh, at Bristol. 
I also liked here Basin going toe-to-toe with Larson there late. I'm not sure how many guys are hanging in there with the 57 when he starts making those moves, so kudos to Basin on that. Leaving the weekend, Sweet maintains the outlaw points lead, but his advantage has uh, shrunk down thanks to weekend finishes of 10th and 13th. That 13th on Saturday busted Sweet's streak of 15 straight top 10s with the Outlaws. So Macedo is just 20 points back in second with Gravel 30 back in third. Sheldon Hoddenshield and Logan Schuhart complete the Outlaw top five. Donnie Schatz continues to slide down the order and he's now back to seventh. The Outlaws head to Eldora this weekend for Let's Race 2. With the All-Star Circuit of Champions over the weekend, they got two out of three shows completed with Sunday at Waynesfield being postponed. That was kind of feared before the weekend and it ended up coming to fruition. Friday night at Lernerville, it was Hunter Schoenberg tracking down Justin Peck in lap traffic to earn his second career All-Star win. Tyler Courtney just nipped Greg Wilson at the line for second, but shout out to Wilson and Andy Potter with that ceiling 97. Those guys have been fast in recent weeks, including a second place finish at Attica on April 15th, and obviously that good run at Lernerville. Even with all the struggles he's had in recent years, Wilson still has plenty of gas in the tank. On Saturday night at Sharon, George Hobart came out of nowhere to dominate a lot of that feature, but a late caution brought the field back to him. With two laps to go, he made a mistake into turn one that let both Brent Marks and Cap Henry by. Marks was on his way to the win from there, but he got trapped in behind lap cars out of turn four, coming to the checkered, and Henry pounced, stealing the victory on the front stretch. Henry and that lane car are always good for a few wins a season, and it might surprise you to know that only four drivers have more all-star wins over the last three-plus seasons than does Cap Henry. They are Aaron Reitzel, who's a three-time series champion, Kyle Larson, Tyler Courtney, and Corey Eliason. In the All-Star standings, Sunshine maintains a 24-point advantage over Parker Price Miller, leaving the weekend. He had finishes of 2nd and 7th. Henry Peck and Bill Baylog are the rest of the top five. The series is off this weekend and will return to racing May 13th at I-96 in Michigan. Most of the USAC weekend was lost to weather between Bloomington and Hobstock for the sprint cars, but we got a really fun Silver Crown race on Sunday at Terre Haute. There was plenty of drama out front between Buddy Kofoid, Justin Grant, and Jer- uh, Jerry Coons Jr. Grant snuck by Coons late for the vic- uh, victory, but if you haven't watched that feature yet, go find it on Flow Racing. Also, that new Terre Haute wall was tested early, so big kudos to Bernie Stubgen and Scott Ronk and their team for those improvements at the action track. And the final thing on the agenda for today's show, I wanted to address a few comments and questions from recent days on some of the shows. First, Dylan brought up Alex Bowman recently and how good he's been uh, in the sprint car. I definitely agree, and with all of the other guys crossing over, I kind of feel like Bowman's been lost in the mix a little bit. Over the weekend, while Larson was going back and forth between Dover and Bristol, Bowman actually slipped up to run the weekly 410 show at Lincoln. He ended up 18th on the night, but has been incredibly respectable for a guy with not a ton of dirt racing experience in his background. Racing 410s is absolutely no joke, and he looked solid at Volusia with the Outlaws back in February. He made all three features that weekend, and he picked up a 7th place finish with the All-Stars on April 21st at Bloomsburg Fair. That night, he outran names like Brent Marks, Corey Eliasson, Dominic Selzy, and a lot of others. I'm a big fan of what we're seeing from Bowman right now. I've seen a few questions about Casey Kane and his status with the Outlaws with the most recent coming from Benny. I would not expect him back anytime soon. He's still suffering uh, from effects from that crash at Volusia, and I've heard he wants to be back racing, but he's been advised not to do so. Casey's career as of late has really been derailed by injuries and medical issues, which is a shame. The guy's a fantastic competitor and someone who is so passionate about sprint car racing. Spencer Baston should easily uh, cruise to the Outlaw Rookie of the Year award. 
And BC asks about where Gio Selzy has been. That team originally planned to race at Bristol this last weekend with the Outlaws, but Gio has been having some shoulder issue, uh, issues, and they decided to skip the weekend to give him some time to rest up. They tweeted a few days ago that they still plan on being at Eldora this weekend. There are four shows on the streaming schedule today. Dirt Vision has the Super Dirt Car Series from Bridgeport and Outlaw Carts from Millbridge. Flow Racing has Flow 24-7. And they've got IMCA action from California all week long. Kind of an IMCA speed week going on out there. Tonight, they are at Hanford again, as they were last night. To see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. That's it for the show today. Have a good Tuesday. If you have thoughts about the topics on today's show, please leave them in the comments below or tweet at me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for more Dirt Tracker Daily.